0: Let me begin by asking this question. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of you and I? The answer would be, for those of you who have been here for a couple of years, or perhaps a couple of months, you will realize that it is to display the glory of God in our lives. It is to display Jesus in our own lives, personal lives, to display him by singing, by praising to him, to reveal his love, to speak about him, Worship Him, hearing His Word, honoring God, exalting Christ and His works, as we heard beautifully Samuel pray that, exalting the work of Christ in our lives. But we're meant to glorify God also amongst the brethren. We glorify God and we uplift Him by loving one another, giving advice to one another, instructing one another, admonishing one another being hospitable to one another, being concerned for one another, serving one another, being patient with one another, share burdens with one another, forgiving one another, encouraging one another, and all the other one another's are to glorify God in our midst. And then we are meant to glorify God in the world. Uh, we're meant to go and make disciples of all nations and, bap- and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And We need to be reminded that along this way we are pilgrims. We are pilgrims who are making our way to the celestial city. And we need to be reminded, you know, and I'll tell you this first before we begin, that this is not our home. We really need to be reminded of this. This is not our home. It's not our city. We're actually aliens on this planet. We're the real aliens, not the little green men. We're the aliens on this planet. And, and there is a bridegroom who waits for us. There is a king who's preparing a place for us. And that king has a kingdom, and we will become partakers of that kingdom. Death will be no more pain will never be again, troubles will be foreign, tears will come to pass, sorrow will have no part in us, and Christ will complete everything in us, for we will become new. However, as pilgrims, as we are making our way through this broken and sinful world, we encounter tribulations, problems in this life. Things that can weigh us down persecution family members neighbours who hate you your workmates who don't want to listen to you they don't like you because you're a Christian there are dangers There are people going to prison like brothers and sisters all over the world there is sickness waking up with sciatica there are pains and sometimes because of that we, we become depressed and it's overbearing. And the result, of that, the result of that, we become lazy in our Christian walk. We forget that we are heading towards the celestial city. And we become unloving. Uh, we, re- we don't serve like we used to. We don't share the gospel like we used to. We become angry. And we need to be reminded. Every one of us has a story everyone has a burden everyone individually has a burden Uh, they will wish someone else had or perhaps that no one had it or a a problem that they could do without or or an undesirable pain or a crippling disease someone has a, a story to tell if we're honest enough we would understand living a Christian life it's not it's not that easy sometimes right it's not it's not that simple Now, our our psalm this morning, if you have your Bible, please turn to Psalm 121. This psalm, it's really about a pilgrim's progress. This is the real pilgrim's progress. This is about a Christian's walk in life. Turn to Psalm 121. And as you do that, let me just give you a bit of a background. We're not really sure who the author is, but this psalm... And the purpose of this psalm, it's a song of ascent. It's called the Song of Ascent, which which speaks about going uphill. And the Jews will come together three times a year, and they will make their way to the holy mountain, to the holy city, Jerusalem. And there's where they will go and worship, where all the sacrifices will happen, where they will meet Yahweh, and satisfaction and strength will be found there. And they would sing this psalm along the way, along their journey. Even though that they knew they were going to a place where Yahweh seemed to be far, they also knew that Yahweh was near. They faithfully journeyed, but their journey sometimes was exhausting and tiring. It was for days. Some of us sometimes complain that we have to drive to church. If a church is not 45 minutes, me sitting in the car, I don't know if I can join that church. Brothers, let me remind you. These guys traveled for days on end so they can meet with Yahweh and their people. We, we, we're just different. And as they will make their way up to this hill and through all these valleys and where they will find troubles and animals and dangers and things like that, they will look towards this mountain. And this represents us. Now this is us making our way through life as the worship of God is ahead of us and it's here with us. So the the, the Jews were looking towards this holy mountain. And sometimes in our lives, it can be difficult. It can be tiring. It can be exhausting as a Christian. But just like the Jews, we lift our eyes to the heavens and we find strength in Yahweh. This psalm is meant to encourage us this morning. It's meant to encourage us to look up and to stay focused because help is on its way. The Apostle Paul said if we are hoped in Christ in this life only, we're all men, most be pitied. But we're not. Our hope is beyond the grave, right? Our hope is not in this life. Our hope is beyond the grave. Spurgeon called this psalm, A traveller's hymn. The traveller's hymn. I pray this is for us this morning as we read this psalm that we will be encouraged. Uh, I named it Yahweh, the strength of the pilgrim. Two points we will look at, really simple. Yahweh is our helper for our travels and Yahweh is our keeper in our travels. It's a wonderful psalm. I pray, brothers and sisters, that you will be encouraged. Today, I have nothing but try to encourage you to walk and to run and to push others over and to get to that celestial city and to get to the top of the mountain and to know that while you're doing that in this life, while you're struggling, while you're hurting, while someone is bugging you and all the rest of the nonsense that world brings to us, Yahweh is with us. Let's read the psalm together, and then we can begin to break it down. I will lift my eyes to the mountains. Verse 1. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Here's what we see. The first point, Yahweh is our helper. And the psalmist, he's looking up. His focus is upward. Our focus must be upward. He's looking up, and he's looking up where Yahweh will meet the people of God on the mountain. That, that's Yahweh promised the, the Jews a specific, beautiful relationship with them. He's promised to them. Psalm 87.1 says, His foundation is on the holy mountains. And as the Jews were making their way to go and worship God to their celestial city, so to speak, their travels were tough and it was rough. It was dangerous and they required strength and stamina and endurance and and awareness. But along the way, they became tired, hungry, weak, sick, scared, thirsty, but their desire was to look up. Their desire was still to go forward. This is us. This is the church. Uh, we need strength. We need stamina and endurance. Do you not get tired? If any of you are not tired yet, don't worry. You'll get tired. If any of you don't have pain, just wait. You, when you get older, you'll start to feel some pain. And If you're not persecuted, either you're doing something wrong. We'll just wait or come. Something will happen. Uh, We can boldly look up just like the Jews, knowing that our hearts can be refreshed, our minds can, can think differently, and we can be strengthened no matter what's going on around us. But see, here's the thing. As a preacher and as your brother in Christ, I can tell you, the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes. I can tell you that. And I can share that with you, and I can say, this is the holy word of God. But the psalmist makes a very clear statement. He says, I personally am going to lift up my eyes. Uh, So so, so this is a calling for you to look up. This is you personally to look up. If there's 70 of us here, it could be only two people looking up. And the rest of the people are just trying to find their way. blindfolded. No, brethren, look up. Look up. And he says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Now, where does my help come from? He's not saying that I'm going up because there is a flood coming and I'll say on top of the mountain and the mountain is going to save me. The mountain itself was not what he was looking at. Let's understand that. It was not the mountains. It was not actually saying the mountain itself is going to actually help. him. In actual fact, in Revelation, it says to us that after the church is taken away, that those when they see the wrath of God coming, that will say to the mountains, fall on me. Mountains cannot save you. But he says, where does my help come from? Well, it's not the mountains. He says in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. My help comes from the Lord who sits on that mountain, who created that mountain. That's where my help comes from, the Creator. My help comes from Yahweh, the Creator, the one who has no beginning and no end. He is my help. My help comes, comes from that's the source, Yahweh. And who is this Yahweh? He's the creator of heaven and earth. Isn't it wonderful? Why, why, why would we choose to make our way to the celestial city really depressed? Why? We sang a song a second ago, and I have to, I have to point this out. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. And we sang that with joy, right? And Brother John pointed something out to me that was kind of, I mean, I giggled because we sang that joyfully. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Well, these are the words of Job. I didn't think Job was technically, biblically speaking, singing like we were. But what that is a reflection of in that song is that we ought to be that way within our hearts because Yahweh is our help. That's why Job could say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So think about this for a minute. If he's a creator, well, let's, let's, let's look at it in man's mentality. If a person creates something, or perhaps something that's never seen, let's say a mobile phone when they first came out, it was amazing, you know, <clears throat> you can do all sorts of stuff on the mobile phones. When a person creates, he must have clear thinking, He must be intelligent. He must have a vision, a design, inspiration. He must be creative. He must have discernment of some sort, some sort of talent and skill and wisdom and material, of course, to create what he wants to create. And we would uplift these people and say, wow, that's amazing. That's great. Well, the psalmist says, my help comes from the God who created everything out of nothing. My help comes from the God who did not gain wisdom through eons of time. Uh, He is wisdom in Himself. Proverbs says, 3.19, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. Our Creator God is not man. He's not a false God. Our Creator God, uh, by the way, uh, did not actually put the earth and, and, uh, as some pictures, and an atlas and, or, and an elephant. Our, our God is so amazing and so powerful. Uh, the, the Scripture tells us in Job that He stretched out the north over an empty space and He hangs the earth on nothing. Our God displays His glory in the heavens. Our, our God has made us in His image. Our God uh, put the heavens above for rain. Our God is the creator of all things. And listen to this. He owns all things. The heavens are yours. Psalm 89.11 The earth is also yours. The world and all it contains. are uh, You founded them. Our God did not just do this by his own power of his word, but by the same word, he upholds it. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God, this God said to his people, I will never leave you nor forsake. Wow. Can you say, I don't want to look up? This is the covenant God who promised to help. The unchanging God, the all self-existing God, the one who controls everything, owns everything. He says, I am your help. Yahweh. Who's Yahweh? Oh, that Yahweh is Christ. He is your Savior. He is the one who justified you, and He's the one who will sanctify you. Look up, brethren look up there is strength in the face of christ look up and find hope look up and your hearts will be on fire for christ look to the mountains and see jesus christ ready to help you but the problem is sometimes people look elsewhere they look elsewhere we think that we can gain strength or perhaps if we're struggling with finances, we make more money and we want to be more secure. Sometimes people try to find strength from their wives and their children and their neighbors and their friends. But if God alone is our source of help, why would we go anywhere else? Some perhaps may say, well, I understand, Ralph, and the, the Lord can help, but can he help me? says he can. Um, The Lord can help, but can I trust him? Well, that's a different issue. Maybe you don't know God the way you ought. Because you can trust God. He promises and he does not lie. Is God able to help and change anything? Yes, he is. Can he help you? Yes, he can. Sunday school answer. Yes, Jesus, well done right he can help you yahweh's he's in heaven and he's with us yahweh's dwelling place and the earth is his footstool is there anything that yahweh cannot do is there any hurt that he cannot heal any wounds that he cannot sew together any trials that you're facing that he cannot help Is there any weakness in you that God cannot strengthen? Think about this. Romans 8.32 tells us this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? The hardest thing for God was to give up his son. Anything else, Is very easy and God can help as much as Jesus alone is the source of salvation, whereby we are justified. He is the source of our sanctification where we are strengthened. God who made a way out for his children through Christ will deliver us on the way home. What a wonderful truth. The Lord is your help. Look at it. Lift up your eyes. My help comes from the Lord. Is there anything that God cannot do? If the scripture tells us what is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, what's impossible with man is to be saved by himself. That's in a context. And if that is impossible and God says he makes that possible, meaning salvation is all of the Lord, then everything else is easier than that. God. Amen? That's your first point. Your God, the one you believe in, the one you worship, the one you call, he caused you to be born again, the one who gave you a new spirit, that gave you a new heart, new affections, new desire, and the reason why you want to go to the celestial city is because you want him. That same God says, Look up. That same God says, I'm your help. Don't trust in horses and don't trust in princes. Don't trust in your own strength. Look up, I will give you the help. So we come to our second point, the Lord, because this is a bit bigger, the Lord is our keeper in our travel. Now let's let's break that down. He is our keeper. Now look at that in verse 3. The Lord will not allow your foot to slip. He keeps you and he will not slumber. Behold, verse 4, he keeps Israel. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. And verse 8, he will guard you. It's wonderful promise. Yahweh who helps us through the tough and wilderness of life. He doesn't just do that once. This is a continuous action. God is not asleep. And it says there in verse 3, I want you to notice this. There's something that's just just can go over our heads this Yahweh says he will not this is he will not this is emphatic he will not the one who keeps us says he will not brethren if the Lord opens a door no man can shut and if a, a man thinks he can woe to him and if God closes the door, no man can open. If God says he will not, I'm just going to take a stab at this. He will not. He will not. And if there is anyone among the children of man by sheer insanity, that they think that God says he will not, and he will, I feel sorry for that person. God says he will not allow. He will not allow. He, he, he will not permit. He will not give over his children. He will not allow his children, those whom he loves, to ever fall away, to ever be moved. This is a promise of God. And when I hear about people who were Christians for such a long time, and i look at the scriptures, and they say, I've denied the faith, I'm now gay, I, I, I'm, I'm wearing a rainbow c- clothes. Well, according to Scripture, my God says he will never leave you and he will never let you fall away that much. You do the math. If my God says you will never fall away, then you will never fall away. And if those who have fallen away claim to be Christian for 20 years, they will never believe us. They were never born again. We have to claim this boldly because or else we might as well say, well, I believe this some, sometimes. No, brothers. That's what God says. He says that he will not let you stumble to a point where you will forsake him. That's what that's talking about. To a point where you will leave God. Oh, you will fall. You will stumble. You will trip. You'll get angry. You're going to sin. You're going you're to struggle. This is the struggle. But you'll never fall to a point where there is no hope. You will never fall so far in the ditch where you're never going to see light again. Because up there is Christ and light is above and he will always guide us. Always. And he says, if he will not allow it, your foot to be moved, then it's not going to happen. Think about this. <clears throat> Think of a building that is, that is uh, earthquake-proof. And yet, I've seen earthquakes happen and the building goes down. Right? And it falls. And it comes like paper. Us believers, on the other hand, sometimes we can fall. Uh, sometimes we feel like we have cracks in our building. Mind, thoughts, emotions perhaps, perhaps physically, you know, persecution, whatever it is, fill in the gaps. But our foundation is solid. We're never going to be moved to a point where we're going to become like powder, like a building. God says he will not allow you to fail. And He will not allow your foot to slip that far. There is hardship. There is persecution. Whatever stumbling block is your way, God will not allow you to be shaken to a point where you will not return. What a great promise. It is a beautiful promise, brethren. It really is. You may feel like at times you've lost a battle where your foot slips, but you're never going to lose the war. Because he who fights for you, he is with you, in you, and he promises to keep you. And this word, to keep, speaks of watching you carefully. The Lord watches you carefully. He's staring you intently. I mean, for some of you, perhaps, it's kind of frightening. But this is a son a father to a son looking at him that he may not fall loves him he's near him he's observing him he's gazing up on him Yahweh brethren get this he cannot take his eyes off you you may take your eyes off him but he will never take his eyes off you what a wonderful truth God who began the good work in you will Bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He is watching his beloved bride. Yahweh secures for himself those whom he loves. Those who were his. His family. His bride. They are his joy. They are his possession. They are his elect. His children. His brethren. His friends. And he will watch over them. And he will watch over their soul. Woe to anyone. Woe to anyone who causes Jesus' bride to commit adultery against Him. Woe to anyone who causes the bride to perhaps be scared along the way and not seek help from the bride, to cause the bride to stumble, to cause the, the bride to take her eyes of the bridegroom. Woe to anyone who touches the bride, for God says, You are touching the apple of my eye. What a wonderful truth, brethren. Remember when Paul, before he became a believer, and he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, the Lord says, you're persecuting me, because the church was being persecuted. This is wonderful, wonderful truth. And Yahweh, it says, he will not slumber. Look at your verse there. He will not allow your foot to slip, yet he keeps you. He will not slumber. Verse 4, he will not slumber nor sleep. There is a continuous watching without rest, without sleep, keeping his eye on his people day and night and evening and morning and no desire to move from his post. God has no desire to move from where he is. Some of you might have watched those Marvel movies. It's supposed to be the dude with the watcher who's looking over. He moved. Yahweh does not move that's what this is talking is talking about whilst we are sleeping the imagery here is this that god is that guardian that guardian does not move and in them days if if a king you know who was always being assaulted by his enemies and they wanted to take over his fortress and whatnot he would have to go to sleep and they would have guardians they would have guards who would guard him while he was asleep and while he was asleep that perhaps will kill people he wouldn't even know right? This is us. God guards us, even when we don't see stuff. Isn't that amazing? You know, sometimes, have you ever thought of this? If this is true, and we believe this to be true, right? Amen? Okay. If this is true, then, you know, in the troubles of our lives, well, if God is not guarding us, then how much more troubles will we have? There could be other troubles that God is actually getting rid of just so we can actually walk even further, right? Because we don't always have to see the troubles that are behind closed doors in the spiritual realm. God could be doing that greater things that we see. And take courage, brethren. When you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death, Yahweh is with you, no matter matter what. He's there in your trials. He's watching over you. He's guarding you, and He's always protecting you and in that, He strengthens you. When you find yourself in deep distress of affliction, of this anxiety, life is always guarding you. He's gazing at you and He's defending you. When you find yourself in tough situations where it all seem to be, that's it, I've got nothing left. He's always observing you and He's shielding you and He's securing you. And when you find yourself persecuted for righteousness sake, He's always attentive just to preserve you. Yahweh, He is our help. Yahweh, He is our guardian. Look at me with verse 5 and 6, and let's take it a little bit further. It says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. He protects you. God comforts uh, this is the protection where people, of course, back in them days, will make their way to, to the mountain. Uh, it speaks about a shielding from the sun because it says the sun won't smite you, nor the moon. But in Isaiah says you have been a defence for the helpless, a defence for the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. Isaiah twenty five four, Psalm a hundred and nine thirty one says he stands at the right hand of the needy to save him, those who judge his soul. The Lord is your shade. He is your protector. Did you get that? Why would the psalmist say, the Lord is my shade from the security also of the moon? And I had to look into that. Why did he he put that there? It's kind of funny to me, understanding this actually. can I understand the sun. I said, why the moon? Apparently, is just some thoughts to throw out there just for you. They believed back in them days that the moonbeams would actually physically and mentally attack you somehow. So the psalmist throws that in there, not so much so, okay, for that, that he believed that because it's poetic. This is poetic. And what, what the psalmist is actually saying from morning to evening, 24 hours a day, God is shielding you. Okay? But, of course, we know that, that God used human authors uh, to write these things. And what the psalmist is actually saying, God is protecting you all the time. There, there's not a, there, there's no, no, nothing that even falsehood could actually attack you. God is protecting you all the time, uh, from morning to night. But here's the thing. If we read all this, there has to be then an understanding of this. That we obviously are going to go through tribulations and distresses and things like this in life. Because this does not say that my God is my helper, my shade, my security, and all those wonderful things. It does not say that God will remove your problem. Never says that God will remove that problem. He will just make you stronger through it. Psalm uh, sorry, Acts 14.22, when the apostle was strengthened in the souls of the brethren, he says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So so we need to understand that, brethren, uh, that we will not be spared death, pain, sorrow, tribulations, persecution. We're not going to be spared these things. But he's our helper. And if we believe what we read, then we will be strengthened. He gives us strength. But Yahweh, even though this happens, nothing can touch us because Yahweh said that. Unless He allows it. No trial, no pain, no sorrow. Nothing can kill us, especially spiritually. Alright? Because God will protect us. Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts Him and I am helped. And then... The psalmist goes on to say in verse 7 and 8, The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will protect your soul. The Lord will guard your going out, and your coming in from time, this time, forth and forevermore. He will protect you. God will protect you from, from the presence of evil. God will protect you from the influence of evil. Evil will raise and will lift its ugly head against the believers. And the believers will be tempted by evil. And evil will come in the form of distress and persecution at home, attacks and all sorts of things. But God says no harm befalls the righteous. God says no harm will befall the righteous the righteous and he says he will keep you no matter what the lord yahweh will keep your soul no matter what the afflictions no matter what the evil the lord who begun your good works or his good works in you by justifying you he will sanctify you he will protect your soul until christ comes or we die the jews were being protected all the way to zion it says going in and out. God was protecting them on the way there and when they were going back home. It's a wonderful thing. and God is forever helping and protecting his people. And by the way, let me just give you a couple of things. that God showed his faithfulness to the Jews when Yahweh protected them and delivered them from Egypt to the promised land. Yahweh preserved them through the Babylonian captivity, bringing them back to their land Yahweh parted the Red Sea so that the people could cross over and then he killed the rest of the evil men by drowning them Yahweh lovingly and freely provided food and water for the Jews in the wilderness Yahweh powerfully protected his people from all their tri- trials and tribulations in their travels Yahweh healed his people Yahweh gave victory to his people over their enemies. This same Yahweh is our Yahweh. He's the same God. He does not change. He was faithful to the Jews and he's faithful to his bride. He knows his bride personally. He knows every detail about you. Every flaw. Every weakness, every need, every wants, and His eyes are still upon you. He still protects you. God knows your heart, right? God knows my heart. Do you know, when I hear that, I go, praise God, because He still loves me. God knows my heart, and He still loves me. God knows the internal ugliness and sin in Ralph's heart in His flesh, in His internal organs. And He still protects me. He still loves me. That's His bride. That's you. And He protects you going in and going out. Has Jesus ever let you down? Has He lied to you before? Has He not kept His promise to you? Does He love His bride with limitation, like we love our spouses, like that? We ought not to, men. You're supposed to love your bride as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. As Jesus not loved his bride enough that he gave himself up for her. We might have different problems, we might have different tribulations and and different persecutions and and all sorts of things but we all praise and worship the same almighty Yahweh yes we are travelers in a strange land but we're not alone traveling, we're not He does not leave us by ourselves brethren we're all making our way to this celestial city We might have different paths, but it's the same destination. God, the same God, if He has created different paths, then He providentially, through His sovereign rule, has made a perfect path for Tristan. Perfect. Perfect path for Karen. Perfect path for Mark. So that He can actually grow you in His likeness. I want to give you a couple examples perhaps to help us what God did. You remember Joseph? You remember Joseph, right? The Lord had a plan for Joseph. He had a path for Joseph. And Joseph, he was left to die by his brothers who were jealous of him. While he was taken a prisoner, Potiphar's wife wanted to have sex with him. While he was made the right hand He was interpreting dreams. And then God brought about some amazing stuff. God meant it for good. And God was with Joseph. Through Joseph, Yahweh accomplished his purpose. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Abraham was called by Yahweh And tested by him to take up his uh, his son, his only son whom he loved, and offer him up as a sacrifice, never done before, never done again. He trusted God. God meant that for good. And there was Abraham. And through Abraham, God brought about his purpose. Daniel and his friends were called to worship. A statue uh, for Nebuchadnezzar and they said no. And they were chucked in a fiery furnace. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And through Daniel, Yahweh accomplished his purpose. He was with him. Yahweh was with God with, with, with Daniel. He was with joseph and he was with every believer who claims the name of god natural fact in daniel what's amazing is when they put him if you read it carefully i think it's daniel 3 when they look they don't see three people they see a fourth person in there if i was to take a guess that would be yahweh who will hold back the fire the apostle paul who was imprisoned in danger, receiving more beating, in constant trials, in without sleep, without food, thirsty, cold, and left to die. They meant it for evil, and God meant it for good, and He accomplished His purpose. Daniel, listen. Abraham obeyed God because he trusted Him. Daniel and his friends did not deny the Lord, and they worshipped Him and trusted Him, and they were delivered to the fire. Paul, who was the most prominent apostle, said that God, even though he went through all this, he rescued him out of them all. And Paul said, I will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, there's a saying in the world where it says that where there is a will, there is a way. I reckon we should change that. I say where there is trouble, there is Yahweh. And that's the only way. I pray that we understand this so that we can say also with, with Daniel's friends. When, when they were told to worship this statue, they said, If it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace. Of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship a golden image that you have set up. We need to understand there are trials and tribulations in life while we're making our way to the celestial city. We ought to see them as an opportunity for growth as an opportunity to fulfill the will of God. Justin Martyr, who was beheaded for his faith, he said this, We thank you for delivering us from the hard taskmasters that we may more sweetly enjoy the presence of Jesus Christ. That's strength coming from Yahweh. No man can say this while he's about to be killed. A Puritan Thomas Menton talking about the martyrs. He said this, they kissed the stake and thanked the executioner because of their earnest desire to be with Christ. Wow, that's amazing. Psalm 118 tells us, From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Christ was their help. Christ was their keeper. Christ was their strength. Christ was their sustainer. He was their guidance. He was their shade. He was their protector. He was their saviour. Christ is that to you. He does not change. And we must understand this. No matter what troubles, Jesus is there. No matter if the world hates you, Jesus is there. And no matter what persecution for the gospel's sake or whatever it is that you're going through, Christ is there. And we can join the throng of people saying, You may mean it for evil, but Christ means it for good. And He will accomplish His purpose in me. And then he finishes in verse 8, The Lord will guard you from coming in. Uh, Forgive me. The Lord will guard you going out and coming in from this time forth and and forever. This is the confidence that God will guard him forever all the way home. The all-powerful, the all-wise, the all-loving, the all-merciful Yahweh did not save us and left us alone. That's a wonderful, wonderful truth. How can you and I fulfill our purpose in our lives? How can we know how to run this race through this world? The Lord is your helper. Then look up. The Lord is your keeper. And the Lord is your strength. Yahweh is on the holy mountain. All you need to do is look up. And He will supply all the strength that you need to get to Him. Lift up your eyes to Him. Pray to Him. Exalt Him. Sing to Him while you're making your way through troubles. Is your broken body not allowing you? Or distress? Is your spirit failing? Are you troubled? Is your strength faint? Can Jesus not supply that? The answer is yes. Let us be reminded, brethren, we are not making our way to this wonderful God on our own strength. If you do that, you will stumble even more. I want to encourage you that this God who helped throngs before us still helps today. He didn't save us so that we can just die. In this world, there's a reason left to see it. And we want to magnify him to the fullest. Listen, brethren, we only have one chance to be Christians. It's in this life. okay? Only one chance to proclaim the gospel. Only one chance to be a better husband, a better father, a better believer, to serve more, to love more, to be merciful, to show kindness. Only one chance. Don't you want to live it to the fullest? I do. but I need strength. And Osama says, look up. You must look up. Come to him with all those problems. Uh, don't try to get rid of the problems before you ask for help. That will be arrogance. You come with all your trials and all your tribulations and all your flaws and all your your problems that you have that you're struggling with, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, your friends, your mom, your dad, your cousin. It doesn't matter. You bring that to Yahweh and you cry out to him, Lord, you are my help. And he promises to give it to you. I pray that this would encourage you, brethren, We are pilgrims on the way home. This is not your home. Along the way, we've got problems. But if our focus is Christ, then we can do all things through Him who strengthens us. Amen? Let me just finish with this wonderful little doxology from Jude. Now to Him who is able. He has the power he has the strength to keep you from stumbling. To keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore amen let's pray oh lord you're such a great god you're a big god you're a god who upholds all things and here we are father as we're making our way through this sinful and broken world we're not exempt from pain from tribulations from hurts from persecution, oh Lord, but what a hope that we have that is above the heaven. Will you sit at the right hand, oh Lord of the Father, Jesus Lord, you can help to the utmost. And you will offer help to give us strength, that we will make our way to you, that we will see trials, Lord God, as a means, oh Father, to glorify you. Help us, Father, to be the believers that you've called us to be and to acknowledge that, Father, this is not our home. And a Yahweh, along the way, he's strengthening us that we may become more like Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, this encouraged all of us that our hearts will be set on fire to run this race all the more, knowing, Father, that there is nothing in our path they can harm us and they can hurt us unless Yahweh says so in his name we pray